was a scumbag, I was a con man, I was a liar, cheater, I was scared of everything. It's not an option to go back to being a sheep that just goes around and does what everybody else does. It's not an option for me. You know, this distinction between the world of men and the world of women is extremely powerful. But I don't bring my masculine world and my, my man talk into my relationships because it's just disrespectful. Men are very black and white. Women see all colors of the rainbow. Men knew just this little, tiny, little thing. There will be so much less divorce in the world. You can always look at whether you're being a pro or an amateur based on whether you're being moved to act by your feelings or by your commitments. You want the results of a pro, but are you willing to pay the price to become a pro? And that's why we need men to be strong. That's why this movement is so necessary, so important, so powerful. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. All right, welcome to the Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou, and we have a tremendous guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is a man's man, a warrior of light and peace, but an actual warrior too. This man was a soldier in the IDF. This man has been a transformational leader at the world's leading transformational education company, Landmark Worldwide, and he was one of their top level leaders. And for the last 10 years, he has been a leader in the world of serving men through transformational programs. He is the creator of the legendary game day program Abby Nakash, welcome to the show, Abby. Whoa, ho, ho. I love it. I love it. How you doing? So, I'm doing fantastic, man. Especially when I get to hang out with the great Nakash. Yeah. So, Nakash, why don't you begin by sharing with the folks a little bit about your background? Tell the people how you came to be doing men's work and how you came to create this incredible training program called Game Day? Well, I mean, 25 years, I, uh, I was somebody that, had, that was looking for answers. I was looking for, seriously for answers. The reason I was looking for answers was because uh, I remember the experience of life when I was a kid, how free I was and how happy I was and how I had no concerns. And then life be start, started to be heavy. And uh, I started losing battles. I didn't even know there were battles, but I was losing. I was going around in circles. Uh, I was not living the life I wanted. So I started, to, I had questions. And then I stumbled upon some cassettes and some tapes and some videos. And then I met a man who changed my life. Um, and he brought me to an introduction and I signed up for my first serious three-day transformational program. And then when I came out, I found what I was looking for. I found the door to absolute freedom, passion, uh, you know, purpose, self-expression, 
pride in being a man, pride in being a human being. And then it was ever since then, um, I, I kept on looking for what else is there around the same area that, that can contribute to freedom, power. And um, yeah, I found out that I was in a big dark hole. Uh, you know, I was a scumbag. I was a con man. I was a liar, cheater. I was scared of everything. I didn't really have any meaningful relationship with anybody. It was all about me. My ego was running my life. And, uh, I, you know, I was young enough to have it be, I, I, I was surviving. But it was going to shape up to be a pretty miserable, um, sad life if I continue to go just blindly. Yeah. So for me, it's not an option. It's not an option to go back to deadness and sleepiness mm -hmm. and being a sheep that just goes around and does what everybody else does because they do. It's not an option for me. That's kind of a little bit of the story. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. So talk a bit about the difference between the type of transformation you got out of doing the work at Landmark Worldwide, out of being a leader and leading programs at Landmark Worldwide, and then out of doing the men's work and becoming the creator of your own transformational men's program. What's yeah, the distinction yeah. between those and, and why are those distinctions important for people to understand? Yeah. So Landmark was my first transformational program. And uh, it, is, it is done at a level of, of a human being. So obviously, men and women are exactly the same at that level. Yeah. Uh, at the level of human being, we are identical. And then uh, I did more stuff. You know, I did, I did meditation stuff. I did all other workshops. But then I, 2012, I did the men's weekend. And the men's weekend is the distinction between the masculine and the feminine, where we see the differences between men and women. And of course, it, it uh, points much more towards relationships. And it makes sense because, makes sense to me because, look, if you're rich and you're thin and you're, you go home and your, your family is a mess and your children are a mess and your, your, your wife, and, and uh, what, what good is it? So some people say that, that your family is the most important thing in life. I wouldn't argue with them. So we focus at, we, we focus at, in, with the men's work, it's something that men are not, don't know anything about, which is relationships. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I found it a lot more freeing. You know, we are mostly outdoors around a fire. We are very free to talk about things we usually don't talk about. We find... Uh, male camaraderie and brotherhood. Um, we understand each other. We get stuff from men that we used to, that I used to get from women, and it never worked out. Uh, so I get that stuff from men. And then I, know. I think that's important for men to understand, not at a conceptual level, but in a specific way. What's an example yeah. of that? Yeah, um, well, you know, I, I've had... I'll give you an example. I have a very, very good girlfriend of mine. She's now in a relationship uh, with someone. She's just a girl that is an amazing friend, one of my best friends. And she said she went on a trip with this guy. And all he was doing is he was pointing out to her other hot girls because he thought she's his buddy that he can talk to hot girls about. 
And she was disgusted and didn't say anything about it and had a shitty time in her, on her vacation. Uh, I used to do that. Now, to me, it sounds so stupid. Like, why would you do something like that? Well, you know, she's not your buddy. She's not your buddy. No. There's not, you know, what men understand, they understand because they're men. Um, and, you know, talk to talk to women, your woman about sports or talk to them about, um, you know, just like cold, hard facts. Um, it's not, you know, you're not going to get what you need from women. Not that, God forbid, they're missing anything. They just are in a in another part of life that is the more beautiful, emotional, loving. That's there where they're the experts. So I get that, I get this stuff from men. And with men, not only can I vent, but they can actually them see themselves in me and I can see themself, myself in them. And we, and we lift each other up versus putting somebody down because it's just, you're just not talking their language. Yeah, you know, I, I like what you're saying here. I haven't been single for a very long time, okay? Um, I, I've been with my current uh, lady, who I believe will be my partner for life, for almost 11 years. Uh, prior to that, I was single for a couple of years, actually not even a couple of years, a year and a half. And um, I, prior to that, I was married for seven and a half years. So I've been, over the last 20 years, I've been in relationship for... 18 of those 20 years, let's say. So I haven't really been a single man. I haven't been doing the kinds of things you're talking about, which is like be with a bunch of dudes and pointing out hot women. And it's not something that would occur to me to do right now just because, you know, I'm with a hot woman and the woman I want to point out to myself is her. Yeah. And I'm good with that. But I can think back to who I was when I was a single man. And, you know, it certainly wouldn't have been appropriate to be around a woman saying, hey, man, that girl's really hot. That girl's really hot. Look at her. Wow, look at her. You know, and it just, it wouldn't be cool. And it not, But if I was around you and you and I were buddies back then, we didn't know each other back then, I'd say, yo, Nakash, check her out, right? Yeah. We, we, we'd have a good, we'd bond over that, right? It'd be, oh, yeah, we're checking her out. It's, it's, it's what men do together. Yeah. And when you talk about sports, my lady hates talking about sports, hates watching sports, like, with very few exceptions, like the sport she participates in, which is basically running, right? Weightlifting, she's not into that sort of thing. Yeah. So I totally understand what you're talking about there. And a lot of men, you know, who've been raised in today's hyper-feminized environment and society, and, and especially young men that have been raised by single mothers without a strong masculine male role model around them, they don't get that. So they treat, you know, women like they're all-purpose friends, and that's not necessarily going to work very well for them. No, no. The, this is why distinctions are so powerful. When, uh, when a person gets the masculine part and the feminine part, and they understand it, it would not even occur to them to talk to, in the feminine world, to talk about things that would just not be appropriate there or would not be understood or would not land, you know, for somebody else. The same way as if you sit, if you sat me down with a bunch of girls and this happened many times and they talk about purses and shoes and whose kids pee in the pool for hours 
Um, oh my God, that'll drive me absolutely insane. Yeah, it, it wouldn't. It just doesn't fit in my brain. I can understand. I can appreciate that it's important to them. But it, it doesn't, you know, and I have lots of women in my family. They'll talk about cooking and recipes and stuff. And, you know, they talk about a lot of other things, too. I'm just giving an example of something that I, I cannot be part of because it doesn't fit for me. Uh, it's not it's not interesting to me. So I can have the compassion, you know, when I'm with a woman to talk about something that's in her world that she's uh, inspired by that she loves, and I can do that for her. So she's ha she has a great time, you know. Um, but I don't bring my masculine world and my my man talk into my dates or my relationships because it's just disrespectful to who she is. Now. I have a lot of couples in my life that, I, and I listen to these men talk to these women and I just cringe. Like they, they don't they just don't know how much damage they're causing. And these are women that the mothers of their children, this is, you know, big deal. And they have no clue what they're doing. You know, this is a distinction you've taught me before called the world of men versus the world of women. And I think it's a very powerful distinction, right? Could you get a little more deeply on what the world of men is like versus what the world of women is like? Yeah, well, you know, when I get in touch with uh, what makes me happy, what makes me happy lives in the physical world. Um, it's being successful. It's having a six pack and it's having uh, great relationships with women. Uh, I'm interested in what works much more than how I feel in that in this moment. Um, I'm much more visual. I'm much more, more single focused. Um, and, uh, I like physical things and, um, the world of women is more in the world of emotions in the world of feelings. They're sensitive to a world that we are not aware of. If you, if you think about like colors, men are very black and white. Women see all colors of the rainbow. So they can see the little, tiny little details that we that we totally miss. Now, if you partner up with someone like that, you have ultimate power because you can see the whole picture. And um, I trust. I have two sisters. I you know I have great girlfriends. When I have when I'm in in the I don't know what to do in, in a certain thing. I call these women and I get their input on it, and I get all the benefits. It's amazing because I I get I only see half the world. So uh, there's a difference, you know, and, you know, one of the important differences that men don't get, like men, because they're visual and they live in the world of action, uh, they don't get the world of talking. They don't get the importance of talking to a woman. So you ask these men and they say, well, you know, I take her out, I, I pay the bills. Uh, but do, when is the last time you said something nice to her? When's the last time you appreciate her? When's the last time you, you know, you took care of her with your words? I was somebody that said, hey, I, you know, I pay the bills. I take him to restaurants. I take him camping. I take him on vacations. What, what else do you want? I didn't realize that's my world. It's not their world. And a lot of men, if men knew just this little tiny little thing, there would be so much less divorce in the world uh, because um, you don't have to understand the other side. You just have to follow the rules of the other side. And if it makes her happy, that's it. That's all you got to do. And it's pretty simple. You know, this distinction between the world of men and the world of women is extremely powerful. And when you taught it to me, you know, 
I was very clear that I'd been living my life like there was only one world. It was obviously the world of men, <laughs> right? It's obvious. And I tried to have my woman be in the world of men. Now, you've met my woman. She's yeah. not exactly, you know, a, a, uh, a masculine woman. No. She's a very feminine, yeah. pretty, sexy woman. And that was absolutely not working with her. Not working with her whatsoever. But when I join her in her world, in the world of women, she's very happy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for most of us men, the only way we get to enjoy the feminine is when there's a woman. That's why we love women so much. It's really, you know, people think or even men think that, oh, the sex is the number one thing on the priority list. And it is very high on the priority list. But it really, it is the feminine energy that we get because we really can't get it anywhere else. And it's the same, it's, it's the same way the other way around, right? So even when I pick up the phone and I call somebody that's a, that's a girl, I get the world, I get the feelings, I get all that stuff that I cannot get on my own. So it's great that way. It, it really, really is. Uh, I, I, I like that distinction a lot. It's a great distinction. So, uh, Nakash, there's another distinction which you use in game day training that comes uh, out of the work of Steve Pressfield, who wrote the book, The War of Art. And it's a distinction between amateur versus pro. Mm. Could you give us a, an exposition on exactly what that distinction is and why it's important to a man? Yeah. You know, I read that book a couple of times, and as much as the book is great... I'm rereading it now, brother. Right now, yeah. I'm halfway through it. <laughs> yeah, as much as that book is great, the guy probably spent years writing this tiny little book distinguishing between uh, a pro and, a, and an amateur. But I have to tell you, he never got down to the absolute distinction. He never actually got down to the absolute root of the difference between amateur and a pro so um very very uh basically what a amateur does is an amateur lives from their feelings and their beliefs um they they go take on a game or a project and they do their best with their opinions and their feelings it's like if you took a basketball and went downstairs to play basketball, pick up basketball with some guys in the neighborhood. You didn't, you didn't train for it. Uh, you, didn't, you don't have a nutritionist that tells you what's optimal you know, to do that. You didn't spend hours and hours a day training with coaches. You didn't um, you know, go out and have a schedule and have a discipline. No, you just went out to have some fun. And if it was fun, you'd play. And if it stops having fun or if it rains, you'd stop and go home. That's an amateur. A pro is somebody that's A, has been trained in a certain profession. Uh, they're trained and they're certified. They either went to school or they, they um, apprenticed somebody until they learned how to do it. Usually for someone like a, like a carpenter, they don't go to carpenter school. They usually apprentice somebody until they know. Now, an, a, a pro has no regard to how he feels about something. A professional carpenter would show up for work, whether it was cold or hot or in the shade or in the sun, he would have all the right tools 
And it, it doesn't matter if he's in a good mood, if he's a, in a bad mood. It doesn't matter if he packed a lunch or didn't pack a lunch. He would deliver a deck in the backyard exactly the way that deck's supposed to be. It would be straight. It would be strong. It would last a long time. And it would be done on time. So a pro is somebody that lives from their word. An amateur is somebody that lives from their feelings or from their beliefs. A pro cares about doing things the way they're meant to be. And an amateur cares about how they feel. Now, where this becomes important is if you look at the games you play in your life and you're asking me about game day training, where did that come from? Well, if you, if you uh, look at your life as a group of games, um, and a game is something that you've created, you said, this is now important, and I'm now going to go play. So if you look at the areas of your life, whether it's your finances, your career, your children, your, your family, your money, your um, health, how many, and relationships, of course, how many of, your, how many of these games are you playing like a pro? And how many games are you playing like an amateur? The reason that question is important is because you, most people, expect life to give you the fruit of, of what a pro would do. You want the results of a pro, but are you willing to pay the price to become a pro? Are you willing to leave the comfort of the being an amateur and go into being a pro so that you can produce pro-life results and um, live your life with honor. In other words, honor your disciplines, honor your commitments, honor your word and um, versus like a child or like an amateur, honor how I feel right now. How can anybody trust you? How can your woman trust you? How can you be an example to children if you live your life from how you feel right now? How can you commit to anything? So true. That's that's so true. More or less. So true. And I, I really like that. You know, today, um, the computer screen of my laptop got damaged. And as a result, I couldn't see the screen. So I couldn't record my podcast, which I do on my laptop. I've got a whole professional setup on there. And I knew that you and I had this appointment today. And so... You know, the amateur move would have been, oh, well, I can't do it. I'm going to have to cancel it, right? But the pro move is, no, find another way. And so I found another way. I've got this set up on my phone. I, I talked to my sound editor. We went through where it's going to get recorded uh, on Zoom, on Zoom, the cloud for Zoom. We're going to be sharing that with him. It's going to be great. He's going to have a fantastic, fantastic uh, time doing the podcast editing for this podcast and it's going to be ready. He needed it to be ready today because he's going to be away for 10 days on another business assignment. And so I feel really good that as a pro, I was able to do this. So for me, I really like that distinction. Now, am I a pro everywhere in my life? No, I'm not. There are areas where I'm a bloody amateur and I want to be acting like a pro more there have been areas that i've been an amateur in that i've become more of a pro in and there have been areas that i've been a pro in that i've backslid and become more of an amateur in and 
for me, one of the things that I really like about this distinction, the way you teach it, which I believe is as powerful, if not more powerful in the way Stephen Pressfield teaches it, is that you can always look at the lens of whether you're being a pro or an amateur based on whether you're being moved to act by your feelings or by your commitments. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, really brilliant. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, when I was taught, I, I had, a, I had a, a renovation business for 33 years. When I was taught to do it, I was taught maybe 10% of the whole thing. And I managed to live my life with that 10% for over 20 years. And so what that looked like is I just made enough money to live. And when I felt like it, I went to work. When I didn't, I didn't. I didn't really have goals. I didn't have numbers. I, didn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't organized at all. And even though everyone said, hey, you know, you're a really good salesman. Knowing what I know now compared to then, I was not a good salesman. I just had instincts. And I was maybe a natural in connecting with people. But then when I started reading books and I talked to people that went to sales seminars, I'm like, whoa, I don't even know 5% of this world. I walked away from so many deals when all it took was just a little bit of something else, bringing a little bit of a different angle to something else. I walked away because people just said, hey, I want to think about it. So I'll, I'll give you a call. And of course, most of them don't never do. And uh, I was like, with the little that I have, with being an amateur, I could have, I could have, ha I could have, ha I could have right now, ten tens of millions of dollars in the bank for thirty three years of what I did. The last two or three years, I probably made more than in the last ten, fifteen years put together, just from what I how I've learned. I'm, I would write down, I wrote down all of my customers, all of my areas, all of my neighborhoods. I had everything worked out. I knew how I'm going to enter a house. I knew how to qualify people on the phone. All the stuff that I've never done before. And you know what? It translates into dollars. It translates into happy customers. It translates into happy contractors, subcontractors that I use. Everyone profited from it. And, and more jobs were done, better looking neighborhoods out there. Uh, everybody wins when I made the switch from, from amateur to pro. So can you get by on, on amateur? You can get by. Most people do. You want to live an excellent life? You want to live, you want to live to the fullest? You want to be the man you always wanted to be? Uh, you, better, you better cross that bridge into being a pro. Yeah, and I really thank you for this conversation because it's January when we're having this conversation, January 26th, the day after my oldest son's 16th birthday. And Congratulations. what I'm excited about... Thank you. Thank you. It's fantastic. What I'm excited about is bringing this distinction into my life right now. So, you know, as a salesman, I'm an amateur. A lot of people think I'm a pro, but I'm an amateur. And I want to like really take my game up. I, I've got a lot of good information on sales. I need to go back into it. I need to start thinking about how to put things out and lay them out as a, as a pro would to really get the numbers. Like I put a target for myself that I want to do a million dollars this year. I've got the skill to do a million dollars. I've got the ability to enroll. I'm a master freaking enroller, but now it's time to no kidding, sit down and no guff, get that done. And for that to happen, I need a plan. I need to figure out what it's going to take to get to a million dollars. 
And all of that is going to happen very powerfully if I start to plan things out and I start to approach the game of sales as a game that I'm playing to win. So game day, Baloo, it's a game of sales, $1 million in sales, brilliant, brilliant stuff. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Now, the other thing that I would like to um, ask you to really enunciate for my listener, for the man listening to this, who's looking to be more masculine is why is it game day? Why is life and the various aspects that are important a game? Well, what makes it a game um, is brings back 100% responsibility for your life. Some pe- a lot of people live like victims. Well, I have to go to work and I have to pay my taxes and I have to, and I have to. My, uh, they, they're not at cause of their life. There's no game that you're playing that you have to get, that you have to play. You don't have to play anything. You can lay there and eventually somebody will come and get you and put you in a place and they'll probably feed you and all that stuff. So you don't have to do anything. So every game um, is invented. You know, even if you go, if you go to play soccer, uh, somebody said at some point putting the ball over the line is more important than to not. Yes. And now you got and now you got a game, right? Now, is putting a ball over a line more important? No, of course it isn't. It's just because we said so. So if you say a million dollars in a year is more important than to not, good. Now you got a game. I right? got a game. Now you got a game that you created, that you invented. This is how you get to live your life. And nobody's telling you how to live your life. You're the one creating these games. So, um, uh, and, and, you know, games have a purpose. You want to win the game. Sometimes you may have to enroll other people in your game so that you have a team. There's a lot of very important games in life are team sports. You want to have they a are. Yeah, relationship, your business, your family. These are all team sports. So you want to find out, how do I win this game? How do I win the game with my family? How do I win the game with my woman, my children? How do I win the game? What is the purpose of this game? What are the rules of the game? And then you can enroll the other people in your life in, in the game. And many times they're very enrollable. They're very much up to playing with you. Um, because we're social, we're social beings. You know, we all want to play with each other. People want to, you know, get together, have romantic relationships. They want to be on a team and play and have fun. So um, now with, you know, if you're, if you want to play at a professional level, like we talked about before, you better know what the purpose of the game is, what the rules of the game is. How do you keep score and go out and, you know, express yourself, play full out. That's, that's game day training. Now, all these games are live inside of one master game, which most people completely miss. And the master game is the game of who you are. And that's a game too, because people think, well, I was born this way. I'm just this way. I have a character. My character is like that. It's like that. It was when you were born, none of it was there. Mm-hmm. And then some stuff was developed and 
we've never actually sat down or most people never actually sat down and created. Well, if I'm not not good enough or worthless or, uh, you know, a bad person, or if I'm not any of this, then what's the kind of game in my life that's actually worth my life that I'm going to give my life to this game inside of this game. I'm going to play all the other, all the other games. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a total transformation. That's what happened at the end of game day training where you actually get to create, who am I by finding out who was your default? You like, what game were you actually playing until now? You know, there's the game going on in the background and the game, you always win the game. So when we look at our, the results that we have, I wonder what game am I, I'm playing that this is showing up. But you can have ultimate control and ultimate responsibility and ultimate ownership of your life when you create the game and then you enroll people to come play with you, people that have similar games. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's true. You know, one of the games I'm playing right now is the game of spreading a message of powerful masculinity into the world. And I believe right now we're living in a time where men and masculinity are under assault. And I believe that a lot of men are lost. And we've created the sovereign man movement to show men that it's it's wonderful to be a man, to be proud of being a man, and to be the kind of man that is up to elevating himself and those around him. And in order for us to do that, we need a community of men. And our vision is 10,000 men in the sovereign man movement. And I want 10,000 other men like me and like you to have 10,000 men each in movements of men they're running. That's 100 million, 10,000 times 10,000. And with yeah. 100 million powerful, masculine, badass warriors, we're going to change the world. And that's my vision, Akash. It's a game I'm playing. And it's a game that I cannot win alone there's no way but if i get men like you involved and you bring in your vision your greatness to some of these men in the work that we do i believe that's going to be very powerful and if i bring other men who can bring more men to the table to join the sovereign man movement and to be part of our program like the sovereign circle which is our exclusive brotherhood of men where we really give these men some powerful tools, powerful curriculum, and we set them up to win in life, that's what's going to change the world. And that is a game I'm playing. I'm really excited about. Absolutely. You know, if you, if you look out there in reality, there's probably 5% of all people that are carrying this world. And then most people are asleep. And then you have the lower bottom that are just criminals and, you know, dragging, dragging people down. But, you know, if you can get the 5% or let's be really generous, 10% of people awakened, honorable, playing the same game and harmonious game that's there for everybody, an us game, not a me game, an us game, uh, the, world will, the world will turn. The only reason that the world, what's happening now is happening is because people are asleep. You know, the, the world is going to be destroyed, not by the bad people, but by those who stood by and did nothing. That's, I think Einstein said that. So No, it was Edmund Burke. The only condition necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to stand by and do nothing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
And we have gotten so comfortable and so um, uh, numb to what's happening in the world. Yeah, you know, everything in the supermarket is good to eat. Uh, everyone's there for, you know, to, to take care of me. Everything's great. And then, you know, when you, I can't even, I personally can't even blame governments or corporations. I mean, if, if people are going to act like sheep, then someone's going to have to lead. But why, why are the leaders need to be all for greed and all for power? Why can't the leaders be for honor and for freedom of the human spirit? So well, I, I share I share your vision. It's a beautiful vision, man. Thank you. Um, we have had leaders that have been for honor and for freedom. America's founding fathers were, to a man, men who were for honor and for freedom. Abraham Lincoln, you know, uh, Frederick Douglass, General U.S. Grant, later President Grant. These were men for honor and freedom. Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, Pope John Paul II, men for honor and freedom. And right now, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, man for honor and freedom. And we should mention that Margaret Thatcher was a woman for honor and freedom, not a man. <laughs> it's these these men and women exist and have existed throughout history. But right now, we're living in a time where they haven't stepped forward. And you know, there's a quote on my on the back of my jacket. It says, "Hard times create strong men." Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Right. We are now in the weak man part of that process. And these hard times that are being created and have been created are in the process of creating some strong men. <laughs> and very soon, we're going to be in a world of hurt because we're just in that time and that season of life. And that's why we need men to be strong. That's why this movement is so necessary, so important, so powerful. And it must grow and it must become stronger. It's why I've decided to have men like you on this podcast, because you share a vision of positive, powerful masculinity. And you have tools that men can use, practical tools that they can use they're going to completely transform them in their lives. Yeah. And, you know, Avi Nakash is a warrior for badassery, manhood. And that's why I love Avi Nakash. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I've watched uh, hundreds of men turn around, wake up, become safe for women, uh, become an example to children, uh, turn their life and become honorable, uh, a, you know, a contributing member of society. And no one's happier than they are. This is not something for like, like we have an agenda that benefits us. No, this is for everybody. Uh, it is beautiful to watch. It's like a lion turning from a cub to a full-grown lion and becoming who he's meant to be. And unfortunately, in our culture, most men uh, will, will stay children. They'll, they'll stay uh, emotional and dramatic and uh egotistical and they want to be freed of that they just don't e they don't even know they want that but on the other side of it is their freedom and uh, i'm going to dedicate the rest of my life which i know this is what you're doing uh to doing as many men as as many people as i can and especially because i work for those children 
the children that don't have a say, they grow up in a home and, you know, much rather have them have a dad and a mom at home that are happy with each other, that love each other, give them the most, the most benefit and beginning of life that they can. That's who I work for, really. Mr. Nakash, I think that's beautiful. And that's necessary. It's an act of love. It's an act of deep love. This is what people don't get. Warriors are at their core about love. Absolutely. Even though they're out there, they've got the sword and the shield in their hands and they cut down the enemy and they do violence on behalf of the rest of us in order to keep us safe and free. You know, Jordan Peterson has a beautiful quote, which I'm going to put on another version of the Sovereign Man jacket. And what it says, what he, what he says is that a good man is not a nice man. A good man is a dangerous man who has it under voluntary control. I like it. Absolutely. I like it. Yeah, yeah. And what you're up to is, is important. So, Mr. Nakash, is there a final powerful distinction from the game day work that you want to leave my listener with, you want to leave the men with? Yeah, I want to say that women are our best coaches. If you want to know if you're living life like a man, like an honorable man, look at the women around you or look at your woman and see what they're like with you. Um, if they're happy and content and if they feel safe and taken care of, you're being that man. If, uh, if your woman's upset and unhappy, it's time, to, uh, it's time to start to look at yourself. And if you want to be a pro in relationships, uh, get some training. We created it for these men. Come, come and get some training. I mean, I, nothing was handed to me. I was trained in all the things that are important to me. I went and paid the price. Very important, very powerful, what you just shared with us. And we're going to do game day. We're going to bring game day into the Sovereign Man movement. You and I are going to talk about various ways to do that. And we're going to bring game day to a world that maybe doesn't know it needs game day. But they're going to find out that they need game day too. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be beautiful. Our time is now. We're ready. We're ready to make the difference we were born to make for men, for masculinity, for the next generation of children, of, of boys and girls that are being absolutely trashed by the horrific crap that is the norm way of operating in our society. They're lying to boys. They're lying to girls. They're lying to boys about their nature. They're lying to girls about theirs. And they're having men and women, women growing up, distrusting each other. And in fact, they're even teaching women to hate boys and look at them as oppressors. And that shit's got to end because that's not the reality of what's happening. It doesn't serve women to believe that. And it doesn't serve men to believe that about themselves either. No. And I got to tell you, Mr. Ash, it's a brilliant and beautiful thing when there's men ready to stand up and be counted like you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You have a couple more minutes. We do. Give us, yeah. give us your last best piece. Go. The, the last thought is this, uh, you know, back in the days 
even even 30, 40 years ago, uh, most people were considered normal, healthy people. And then there was a small percentage of uh, depressed, disturbed. It was abnormal. Today, the percentage of people who are depressed, upset, suicidal, um, are, are almost the majority. See, and that's why the, the conversation of being offended is so big out there. Uh, people don't want to take responsibility for their feelings because now everything you say and everything you do is hurtful and offensive. Well, it's because society has turned ill. So the, the majority of people are ill or asleep or numb. And that's why when somebody normal, healthy comes around, the, po- the finger is pointed at that person to say, hey, you're being offensive. You're not right. You're not, you're not sensitive enough for people. You're not. So the healthy people are not okay. And the majority of sickness or, or, um, you know, hurt people, traumatic people are now in control. So because we want votes and because we want all these things, we have to now please everybody. And we have to not, you know, we have to consider everything for everyone and um, yeah. I just want to say that the solution to it is not a victim society. Is not is to empower people, not to acknowledge victimhood and say, um, you know, let's all adjust to not hurt everybody else. It's not going to work. We need to empower people to get healthy. That's all. Well said, and. Here's the truth. It's not my job or your job to make sure people don't get offended. That's on them. Anyone's offended is choosing to be offended. Yeah. I'm not going out of my way to offend people by any means. But if someone comes and says to me, you just offended me, or you're this, or you're that, or you're an ist, you're a, a sexist, you're a you're a, a racist, you're a whatever the hell other ist that they come up with. I'm like, I'm not taking that on. And the person saying that is probably those things themselves. They have those hateful feelings in their heart. And rather than face them honestly and acknowledge them and deal with them, they're pointing the finger out at other people. And the truth of the matter is anybody who is angry enough and offended enough to go on the war path against people who, quite frankly, are very obviously to anyone with a modicum of sense, not those things, is the person that has a problem. And as far as I'm concerned, Grow up, get a life, and if you can't do that, go somewhere and melt like the beautiful little snowflake that you think you are, which you're really not. You're not special. And here's the other thing I have to say to them. You're in the weak man phase of life, but you're helping cause these hard times. And the hard times, there's going to be rough, tough, bad men. They're going to come over that are strong, and they're going to crush you. They don't give a shit about how hurt or offended you are. And, you know... That's the truth and the reality of what's going to happen. People in the West have have gotten into the space where they think the rest of the world owes them a safe space. Sorry, they don't. The world ain't a safe space. You owe it to yourself to become a strong man, a strong woman. Yeah. So nothing that happens in the world can touch you. You want to be metaphorically bulletproof. And if you're not getting this... You're in for a world of hurt. Your life is going to suck. You're going to end up old, alone, 
broke and dying of a broken heart. And don't let that be you. If you're listening to this podcast, toughen up, become stronger, and don't blame anybody else for your bullshit. Your bullshit is there because of you. My bullshit that is there because of me. That's all we got to understand. And if we operate from that, we can do something about it. Awesome. I love it. Thank you, Mr. Nakash. Let's do this again real soon. Absolutely. Let's kick ass. Absolutely. And that wraps up this week's Sovereign Man podcast episode. We'll catch you on the flip side. Make sure, make sure that you share this episode with somebody who needs to hear Mr. Nakash's powerful message. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.